Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our So That Sermon series. This series focuses on fulfilling the Great Commission, taking the gospel of Jesus to our friends, family, communities, cities, nation, and the world. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Well, as we gather here on Palm Sunday and as we we think about what uh, Jesus is about to do this week and as we prepare even for the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we we recognize that that there was so much grief and so much agony that that he has to go through. And and quite honestly, I've I've thought about this. In fact, I've thought about what's going on in our world and, and and I've come to a point where I need to tell you that that I'm scared. I'm scared I'm becoming numb. I'm scared you're becoming numb. I'm scared that we we live in a world that is so angry and so prone to be violent and angry first that we've just gotten used to it. It doesn't break our hearts anymore. That... It's just become so commonplace. And what I'm going to say is harsh, but our numbness makes us not care anymore. I mean, as long as it doesn't affect me, that's sort of sometimes the way we feel. So, you know, I'm scared that we're becoming numb to everything that's going on around us. And as followers of Jesus Christ, I'm also scared that we're becoming numb to the things that breaks God's heart. I'm, I'm, I'm scared that, that they don't break our hearts. I, I'm scared that, you know, we've lost that passion that we've first experienced when we said, yes, I believe Jesus died on that cross for me. And I believe that he defeated the power of sin and death and rose again from the dead. That we've, we've lost that passion so much so that, that we don't think about others who don't know that. And we're not caring enough to tell other people about what Jesus means to us and that how he saved us for eternity and how he can save them too. I'm scared that we're becoming numb. Would you pray with me? Father, God, we we confess. We confess that sometimes there's just so much hurt and so much pain around in this world that we don't take it all in and we just turn our minds off and more scary, we turn our hearts off. And they don't break like your heart breaks for every angry word spoken, every violent act committed, every hurt enacted from one person to another. Lord, we confess that we're numb. But Lord, we don't want to be numb. 
And we need your strength. We need your resurrection power to help us navigate in this world that wants to wear us down, that wants to, to make us numb, to make us just ignore all the hurt around us and not get involved. And we confess, Lord, that we're glad we have the hope of eternal life. But we haven't shared that with others. So, Lord, on this Palm Sunday, we come to you and confess that and we ask, Lord, that you would thaw our numb hearts and give us the eternal hope that we have in you to share with others and stoke the fire in our soul to do that. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to give you three phrases this morning, and they're not new phrases. They're phrases that really identify who we are as a church. And here's the first one, love God. Love God. If we're going to let God stoke the passion of fire in our hearts and, and thaw the, the numbness that we experience, we've got to love God. Remember this story. Jesus told this. It's in Luke 18. He says, uh, we read this. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Then Jesus heard his answer and he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. You know, this leader, this leader knew the Ten Commandments. He had been raised to know the Ten Commandments as well as the 600 plus other commands of Judaism. And he was very familiar with the most important commandment, the one called the Shema. The Shema was one that every Hebrew boy and girl learned from their toddler days. And they could memorize, they had memorized it and they could re recite it and they'll be able to recite it to the, to the end of their lives. And if you know what the Shema is, it comes from the, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and it's verses 4 through 9. And I'm just going to read a couple of them, but, but they'll sound familiar. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. It speaks of a singular devotion that we must have for God. And it reminded that leader of the same thing, that, that he must have a singular devotion to God. In fact, if he had that singular devotion to God, he would keep all of the 600-plus commands of Judaism without any huge effort because God would be first and foremost in his life. But something had made him numb. Something had quenched the fire of that passion to make God singular in his life, make him the one and main focus. Something had worn down his devotion to God and Jesus in his omniscience zeroed in 
when he said to him, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and come and follow me. You see, for this leader, one thing had gotten in the way of his devotion to God and that had been the, the comfort that he lived in because of his wealth. Wealth is a relative thing. Compared to the rest of the world, we live in comfort and wealth. And I wonder if that numbs us down. Let me just pause for a moment and, and, and just remind you what Jesus taught about this whole idea of comfort derived from wealth. In the book of Matthew, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he says what the two masters are. He says, You can't serve God and money. You know, that's why God says so much about our relationship with money. Scriptures teach us that we're to begin to give uh, our giving to God with the tithe. That, that's, for many people, that's shocking because the tithe it literally means tenth. It's to give tenth of your income to God. That, that is what God teaches us. Why does he teach that? Because he wants us to trust him more than we trust money. He wants us to be faithful to him and understand that he is our provider. He gives us all things. So if you want to grow closer to God, you need to trust him with all things. You need to let, make sure that nothing comes in the way of your singular devotion to God. Not even money. That's what happened to this man. Let's go back to that story. You know, he was faithful in every area of his life but one. He couldn't trust God with that one area. He truly loved it more than God. It says, if we continue to read, that he walked away. He couldn't stomach that command from Jesus. He couldn't, he couldn't see his way around that. Why? Because his comfort derived by his wealth was more important to him than God. What's the lesson for us? We have to ask ourselves, what's getting in the way of our singular devotion, our love for God? What keeps us from loving God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength? What gets in the way of it? What's the impediment? What will we identify as the thing? Could be things that keeps us from being singularly devoted to God and to his cause. Because remember, we're his plan to further his kingdom cause in the world. And that requires us to have hearts like his. And that means our hearts will be broken by what happens in this world, but we're part of his plan to be his heart and his hands and his feet. So if we're going to let our hearts be thawed and the numbness to go away, we have to love God and we have to put him first in every area and trust that he'll take care of everything else. We have to love God. We also have to love people. 
Followers of Jesus are called to love people, but it can be hard because, as I said, we, we live in this anger, this world, this age of anger. We see it everywhere. You know, we see it displayed on social media. We see it on people that have uh, road rage in airplanes or on the highways. We, we see it in the way people talk to one another or about one another. We see it everywhere in our neighborhoods. We even see it in followers of Christ. And we know that's not what God desires for us, but it's everywhere. And we're becoming numb to it. You, you know how it, it, I identified it recently, you know, with, with everything that has happened in the past month um, with regards to the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School when those teenagers began to stand up and um, exercise their rights to free speech about the tragedy they had endured. Some people began to give them death threats. But that's the culture we live in. If we don't like something somebody says, people give them death threats. And you know what's worse? It doesn't faze us anymore. We've gotten used to it. But, but think about this. Followers of Jesus Christ are called by him to be different. He called us to love people the way that he loves them, not to hate them, not to spew angry rhetoric at them. He calls us to love them. Jesus tells his followers this, that they're supposed to be identifiable by the fact that they love one another. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, he said this, just, just think this when they listen to it. He goes, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's saying this to his disciples. And here's the fact that we have to recognize that sometimes even in the body of Christ, even amongst people who say Jesus is Lord, there's angry rhetoric and there's, there's discord that happens and it's not just an isolated thing. It's something that bothers us that we need to recognize. I always like to point this out. You know, in the Greek language, there were different words that could be used for our one word, love, and they were, would be used in different contexts. Every scripture where I read this morning that has the word love, it is the word that is translated as unconditional love. Okay? It's the highest form of love. So when Jesus said you're supposed to love your disciples, uh, love one another, as, uh, he, he was saying you need to love one another unconditionally. Jesus had a conversation about love. You'll, be, you'll recognize this story. We read, a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said, that you're to love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, Jesus said. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked. 
And just how would you define neighbor? This is the story of the Good Samaritan. You, you, you probably, if you've grown up around the church, you may remember this. If you haven't, I'll tell you the story. Basically, the story goes this way, that, that a man was traveling down the road on the way to Jericho and robbers came out and they attacked him, they beat him, they took all of his possessions, they, they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him so badly he was, he was uh, in fear of his own life. He laid there unconscious, wounded. As, you, Jesus, as Jesus told the story, uh, a religious leader he came by and uh, seen... Uh, the uh, man uh, on the side of the road, beaten up, he just passed on by. He didn't want to get involved. The next was a, a scribe of the law. And not only did he not want to get involved, he actually crossed over to the other side of the, ro- side of the road. So he wouldn't be near him. So he wouldn't uh, uh, defile himself because there was blood and, and gore there. The third person who came by was, uh, was not somebody of the Jewish faith. He was a Samaritan. Samaritans and and Jews don't like each other. They don't get along. This man who had been beaten and left for dead was Jewish. This Samaritan man stopped for this man who had been beaten. He attended to his wounds. He uh, was able to uh, take him to an inn and uh, also continue to tend for him. And, And then as he had to continue, he asked the innkeeper to take care of him. He paid for his bill in advance. And he said, when I come back through, if you've incurred any more charges, I'll take care of it. And Jesus turns to the man who had asked him, who is my neighbor? And he said, that's who a neighbor is. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. That's what all of us as followers of Christ are supposed to do. We're supposed to go and take care of the people that God puts in our circumference of life, in our sphere. I should point out, I think you know it by now, but the word love that was used in that story, again, is the Greek word for unconditional love. And that's the kind of love that Jesus said will be marked by followers of Jesus. Have you ever thought about how radically inclusive God's love is? Radically inclusive. There's not a person in your life that God doesn't love the same way he loves you. You know those people you can't stand? Those people, dare I say it, that you hate? The same unconditional love God has for you, he has for them. You know that person who who has hurt you and you never want to see him again? The same unconditional love God has for you, God has for that person. Every person in the world... God loves and desires for them to know that that same love. And you know what? In this world that we live in, in this culture, even in this nation, even in, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, what we tend to like to do is separate people into different groups. And, and sometimes we like to vilify different groups. But here's the deal. God loves every single person in that group just like he loves you.
It doesn't matter about their lifestyle or their politics or their ethnicity or about the sins they've committed or the good deeds they've done. God's love for them is the same. And it's something that we need to wrap our heads around because if God loves them that way, what are God's followers called to do? Love them that same way. The radically inclusive love of God includes everyone in your life that you love and that you don't love. The radically inclusive love of God includes patriots and terrorists. Wrap your head around that. The radically inclusive love of God says, I want everybody to come to know me whether or not They've heard of my son or not. Whether they've, they've been exposed to the good news of, of Jesus Christ, he wants them to do that. You know, people have all kinds of labels that they like to identify themselves, and sometimes that gets us into conflicts with one another. But here's the, the only label that really matters that you identify yourself with. Child of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ as as your Lord and Savior, you've been adopted into the family of God. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're his child. And that's the only label that matters. And as his children, the same love that he's given to you, he wants you to give to others. Yes, and that can be hard, but he wants you to do it. You know, some people will say this, you know, they'll say um, that our sin will separate us from the love of God. Really? Scripture tells us that God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. Does our sin separate us from the love of God? No, it doesn't. Scripture tells us that God loved us while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Does God hate sin? Yes. Does our Sin separate us from God? Yes, God can't come into the presence of sin, but it doesn't separate us from God's love. Unforgiven sin will separate us from God's love. Remember these words from the book of Romans. Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate us from God's love. If God loves us like that, shouldn't we love people like that? If we do, if we do, God will change the world through us. You see, we're his plan. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he left his disciples with a great commission. And we're his disciples. We're his plan Historically, uh, we've talked about this today. Historically, today is the day that Christians celebrate that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. If you've studied anything about that first century Israel, those were angry days. Probably not a lot different than today. 
All of Israel was angry because their capital city and their country was teeming with occupying Roman soldiers that had claimed Israel as part of the Roman Empire. Now, now all things considered, it wasn't a violent takeover, but violence had happened. And anger and tension was always boiling just below the surface. At the heart of being a devout Jewish person was following God's law. And following God's law for the life of a devout Jewish person was life. It was how you defined yourself. It was your identity. And now think about this. If you were living as a first century Jewish person, your country was being occupied by people who didn't share your faith, who rejected it, who were hostile to it, who wanted to keep you from practicing it. And it was just ripe for anger and tension. And then recognize that there was this weird political thing going on between some of the religious leaders, the the king of Israel, the, the Jewish king of Israel, and then the Roman governor and the occupying forces. And it was into that angry culture that Jesus rode in on a donkey. And the people came out and they said, Hosanna in the highest. They, they sang his praises. They, they, they basically rolled out the, the first century roll red carpet. They cut down palm branches and laid them on the roads. They took off their coats and laid them down on the road for, for, uh, for him to ride into. You know, in the first century Israel, there were two kinds of people who would make triumphant entries into cities. And when they did, people would celebrate like this. One of those people would be a military champion. He would be riding in on a war horse, uh, fresh from a a victory um, to the cheers and exultations of people. And and they would just be so excited because their, their commander had conquered the enemy. The other kind of person who would ride into that kind of arrangement would be a king riding a donkey. The donkey symbolic of peace versus the war horse. And that king coming to bless the people with peace would also be praised and exalted. And the the first century red carpet would be rolled out for that king. But that didn't really happen for teachers of the faith, for for rabbis from little hole-in-the-wall parts of the country. But that's what Jesus did that day. He rode in on a donkey, and the people rolled out the red carpet for him, and they, they exalted him and praised him. It's interesting to think. You know, Jesus came in that way, and as he did... You know, our hindsight tells us that we know that he actually now was both the victorious champion who was coming in because he is going to defeat sin and death in the coming days. But he's also the king of kings who comes to bless people then and every generation since. 
with the peace that only comes from Christ. And he came to save a world that was dying because they would be separated from God eternally. He changed the world so that our sins would not have to separate us from God, so that we would not spend eternity outside of heaven. Here's the thing that we have to remember, and we have to remind ourselves of this all the time. This message of Jesus, of eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ is not a once-and-done message. If you're like me, it took more than once or twice for me to hear it and finally respond to it. And the reality is that's true for most people in this world, that the message of Jesus Christ is something that they need to hear more than once. People do hear it once and come to faith in Christ, but not everybody. With that in mind, I just want to remind you of the words that Jesus commissioned his followers with. And these words are not just words that were commissioned to those disciples 2,000 years ago, but they have been words of commission to every disciple since. From Matthew 28, we read these words. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. As believers in Jesus Christ, we've received this commission as a sacred trust. It's been entrusted to us, and it is the very words of salvation. It is the key to eternal life. It's the good news. It's, it's the best news for the world. It's a trust that you and I have to take seriously. Because here's the reality. If we don't take it seriously, if we don't tell other people about the, about the eternity, eternal life that we found in Jesus Christ, we're literally telling people that they can go to hell. Let that sit for a moment. If we won't tell others about the eternal life that we've been given, then we're literally telling them, you can go to hell. For followers of Jesus Christ, our hearts need to break for what causes God's heart to break. And what causes God's heart to break is knowing that people are facing an eternity separated from him. I still remember the day that... Uh, Cynthia and I and the kids sat in an office of one of the leaders of a town in this area, and we shared with them what we were going to do when we came to Granby 19 years ago, start a church. And that leader said, this town doesn't need another church. You know, in, in some ways, she was right because... You know, the churches that were here were not full to capacity. Um, a couple, only a handful, maybe two, had more than a single service. But in a whole different other way, she was wrong. Because people weren't hearing 
the life-saving, eternal message that can be received only through faith in Jesus Christ. And people weren't being saved for eternity. People weren't hearing that, that God loves you and that I love you because I've experienced that same love. And I want you to know about the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. Quite honestly, there's never enough churches to get that message out. And the truth of the matter is, it's not a church's responsibility to get that message out. It's a Christian's responsibility to share that message. So today we stand, you know, right on the precipice of the most important celebration of the single day that changed history and the world forever. You know, a week from today, we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's changed my life. It's changed your life. If it hasn't changed your life, I want to talk to you after the service because I want you to have that changed life. But, but here's, here's the responsibility that you and I have. We need to tell people the relationships you have, the friendships you have, the places that you work or go to school or, or practice your hobbies or, or socialize. I'm glad you enjoy all of that, but you weren't put there by accident. You've been given that sphere of influence. What would happen what would happen if, if every single one of us told somebody this week about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and said, hey, you know, this, this is so important to me. And look, if you don't have a church, would you join me this Easter? What would happen if, if somebody came and heard the saving message of Jesus Christ just because you told them what Jesus means to you? And it changed their eternity and think that one through. And then they shared it with their family and it changed their eternity. And it just rippled through one relationship after the other. For some of us, that's actually why we're here because it rippled through people before us to us. That's what we're called to do. So look, I, I, I want to lovingly but strongly challenge you, encourage you to say to God, God, who do you want me to, to reach out to? Who do you want me to share the love that I've received in you? Lord, help my heart break for the things your, hearts, your heart breaks for. And the things that God's heart breaks for are people who don't know him, who, who are far from him and won't spend eternity with him. Who will you reach out to this week? We try to give you some handles to do that. Uh, you, you know, we, we have a whole series of things happening next weekend. We have a Good Friday service in this room. We have an Easter egg hunt on Saturday. And we have three services on Sunday. Yes, they're to worship God and give glory to him, but it's also a way that we can reach out into our community. We can help you reach out 
So I, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to, to make sure that you reach out to people who need, need to love Know the love of Jesus Christ. People who aren't connected in the body of Christ. People who, who have walked away from God for whatever reason. People who have just never really accepted the message and love them. Be steadfast in their life. Love them with the same unconditional love that God loves you and reach out to them and care for them. Tell them what God means to you. They might not accept that first invitation, but don't give up. In your life, somebody didn't give up on you. The person who didn't give up on me is sitting right here. She wasn't my wife then, but there were, she and a whole bunch of other people were trying to, to tell me about the hope that they had in eternal life in Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest, it didn't take the first time or the second time or the third time. I don't really remember what time it took. And to be candid with you, it didn't take when I was in her presence or somebody else's presence. God spoke to me. And I finally got it and I responded. But it was because of the faithful witness of people. And you know what? I was numb to the message because I had grown up in the church and I thought I knew what it was all about. So I want to challenge you this week to reach out to people, people who, who need to know God's love, people who, who may be struggling with some of the same numbness that you and I struggle with, but, but we know that God loves us and has that, in, that unconditional love for us and he wants us to share that with them. Tell them what Jesus means to you. You have an open entry. Easter is coming up. Hey, are you celebrating Easter? Well, let me just tell you what Easter means to me. And then go from there as the Spirit leads. You know, it's Palm Sunday. And we're going to sing another Hosanna song. But the refrain in this song, to me, is, is so powerful because it's a prayer that says to God, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Open my heart to your kingdom cause. And his kingdom cause is so that all people would know Jesus Christ. So I want to pray for you in this mission, and then we're going to move right into that song. And I would ask you to continue the prayer in that song. So if you would, can I just ask you to stand? And in a, in a sign of surrender to God, can you just hold your hands out? Because we're asking God to work in us. So, so God, here we stand in this room. We stand as people that struggle with, uh, with this world that we live in but we recognize that you love us with an unconditional love that has changed our lives and our eternities. So Lord, we pray that right now that you would break our hearts for the things that break your heart, for the people who don't know you, that you want to spend eternity with you. And Lord, we pray that our hearts will no longer be numb, but they'll be on fire for your kingdom cause. 
Lord, I pray for every single person in this room today that we would have the courage and the Holy Spirit boldness to tell others about the hope that we have in you and that we would invite them to join us on one of our events and worship services next week and that they would have their lives radically changed by the love of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the name of the one who loved us so much that he stretched out his arms on a cross and he died for us, but he didn't stay dead. He defeated sin and death and rose to the grave, rose from the grave to take us to heaven. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.